Hi everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, hope you're well and uh, coping with the current situation. I know it's been a bit of a tough time for musicians um, and all kinds of things are um, not going on as they say. Uh, lots of amazing online things going on. People really trying to be um, creative, proactive, etc. Um, I'm kind of useless at all that sort of thing. I just uh, kind of feel like um, trying to stay as normal as possible, really. Um, I kind of don't like huge change. Um, so I've just been trying to follow my own advice for once which is rare and um and trying to stay kind of focused on just practicing um just a few things trying to do them every day where possible um and also just sort of just enjoying as much as possible this kind of time of like um not being in a hurry really to 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 get anything done because um, you know, I, I'm talking about in my sort of personal practice, personal life and stuff. Um, because you know, I'm still at work, and the work thing is um, has been quite full on because we've got a lot of um, a lot of things to organise, uh, particularly in this last seven days. Uh, well, actually, last nine days. It's Sunday today. Um, seems to have fallen into this habit of recording these things on Sunday having been down, um, spending a bit of time away from uh, the house because we're still allowed to go to the uh, to uh, the allotment, which um, which my uh, partner has and I help sometimes. I mentioned that last week. Um, and uh, how long that carries on for, I don't know. But um, we're just, yeah, there's stuff obviously needs doing down there and growing and it's a very... It's a very quiet place. There's it's a huge area. There's probably about six people all together on there. Maybe eight people on there today all together. Very very um, very nice place to go and just you know get a bit of fresh air. It's quite sunny and stuff today. So it's kind of doing that this afternoon, and uh, then I thought I'll get I'll get I'll do this this evening. And um, and then sort of back back to kind of work tomorrow. But Easter's kind of around the corner. Of course, a bit strange time this year because Easter will come and go. Really, um, uh, it won't be a time where there'll be huge amounts of stuff going on. Obviously, over the bank holiday weekend and stuff. But um, yeah, just in the kind of in the in the the time away from work, where there's a lot of things trying to get a lot of things in place and I'm still teaching that's just finished for Easter um, so I'll be back teaching in, in three weeks um, but just away from that kind of um, that sort of place of just trying to set these small goals that I'd be, I was talking about a couple of weeks ago and uh, just sticking with that you know um, and I've kind of found uh, three kind of exercises three separate things that i've been working on i've been enjoying one is just a pattern um that goes through different gears i think i was mentioned that last week which i'm still working on which has been nice um 
And it's, it involves, uh, it's mainly a coordinational exercise, really. Um, the second thing has been working on some of those Wilcoxon, still working on some of those Wilcoxon solos I was talking last week about sort of process thing and learning a new piece and spent this week, you know, just kind of dipping in and out of uh, two or three of those pieces um, and just working on some, and then just kind of going back and working on some individual rudiments and stuff, which has been nice, you know, just to kind of try and get the hands back into um, into kind of a disciplined place again because I feel like I've mentioned this before, my hands have been sort of slightly ill-disciplined and, and kind of that was, I mean, I was going to, there was a couple of, it was like I was going to call this episode Some Questions Answered, which is not some sort of heavy existential vibe. Um, it's just, I get some questions from time to time from people um and the three most common questions people ask me, like on Instagram, one is about my uh, sort of recording setup and my video setup. And I think people have this idea that I've got some sort of uh, quite sophisticated setup. And it really, I really haven't actually. It's really, really quite simple. And I, I'm one of these people that if I can get into like a little system with something, like a process uh, that's like really efficient, then. Uh, it kind of keeps me interested when things are a little bit of a pain in the backside to kind of do a bit laborious then it's kind of no fun really and um and the as i've said before the kind of videos that i put out uh well i mean i put sort of two types of videos out one is the live stuff which i have a huge archive of um, of gigs over the last two or three years just i just record them on my camera and they're, they're mainly very drum sort of heavy because the camera's next to me and and I record them so I can watch watch stuff back you know and a lot of it's um about psych a lot of it's about psychology with with the with the video and the gigs thing because I I often feel uh when I'm playing on gigs I'm often kind of struggling through um some personal kind of things of of not being 100% comfortable or not being 100% happy with what I'm doing or 100% comfortable with the music or with my playing or some sort of technical thing and uh and what I always do is I always listen back to those videos uh, you know like sort of a week maybe 3 or 4 days to a week after um I've done the gig and and I've sort of forgotten about how I felt about um, all that nonsense and neurosis that's going on in the moment, you know, and uh, and I, you know, generally get to listen to things with fresh ears. So, um, and I post some of those things from time to time. Um, sometimes I post stuff that I've just done. Sometimes I post stuff that I've done a while ago. It's all just stuff, isn't it? You know, things to share with people and try to share your own sort of thing. I'm definitely not trying to do things that other people do um there's a lot of this online stuff where it's less any kind of stuff like you know this pattern played fast slower than fast sorry and then you know just like written out on the screen and loads of people are doing that there's some amazing resources out there i just tend to look at those resources and practice those things i, I don't then go out and make my own video of the exactly the same thing or something that's extremely like it. it's just a complete waste of time 
I show the music that I play with people because I think it's uh, you know it's different and it's unique and it's got its own thing about it. And and then there's the videos that that I show at home where I'm uh, in my uh, drum room where I'm practicing in the drum shed. And again, I think that stuff is is different. It's not stuff that's um, where I'm playing uh, the same thing over and over again. I tend to be, um, I'm always kind of interested in how different things sound over the same um, idea, you know. So what I tend to do is I tend to write something that's got a specific time signature, tempo, style, and uh, sort of vibe about it. And then I tend to play over the top of it in lots of different ways and record all that stuff and then have a very kind of quick system. Um, so I was going to talk about a bit about that today, just about what happens with that. Um, I get questions quite a lot about sort of um, consistency and things like that, you know, staying consistent and uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really think I'm a great person to answer that question because i i often feel um i often feel inconsistent and then when i listen back to things i'm not inconsistent so uh the inner game of bull crap that's going on in my head with my own stuff is definitely um is kind of nonsense really uh, it definitely doesn't feel like i'm totally connected to um, the reality of what's going on and the bottom line is i the way i see consistency is really about whether you uh you don't you don't play anything below this this sort of this level that you set for yourself setting the new level which i've talked about in one of the foundation exercises sorry uh, episodes um setting the new standard um which is is about how you approach um all the things that you practice all the exercises that you practice and the way in which you play those exercises as you improve you set yourself a new standard and i think if you want to really nail consistency in one sense as in as in some way you can be really, really be in control of it um that's kind of the approach, I think. I think because uh, I don't, I'm not able to practice a lot, and uh, I don't have any kind of, I don't have any to practice deadlines. I just tend to work on things that I know I need to work on, and, and I just work on them when I get time. And sometimes I don't get much time at all. You know, I can go weeks, literally weeks, without practicing the instrument. I'm not playing, I'll be playing, but I won't be practicing. And so this is where I struggle with consistency because I don't feel like I've got that routine within my practice, which I think some people are alluding to. Uh, or other people are asking me about consistency, alluding to that thing of consistency in playing. So the only time I ever felt like I was uh, playing consistently <clears throat> was when I was touring um, a number of years ago, and it tends to be the case whenever I'm um, doing anything where I'm playing with the same band and I'm touring and doing, you know, a few gigs that are kind of, you know, happening um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a string of gigs. 
and playing the same music, you know. Um, and even if it's the same music and it's if it's a singer-songwriter thing where I'm playing the same music and the same thing and I'm deli delivering a gig, you know, delivering songs and delivering a show, or I'm playing something where I'm playing the more um, open, like free uh, music like jazz stuff where where the tunes are all the same and, and the, 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 the sort of approach of the band is the same, but what happens on each gig is, is always different. But it, it's still... It's still a consistency thing in there because you know you're um, you're still playing with the same people and there's a kind of there's a sort of group mentality or group approach to that music and and it's knowing that music and it's kind of having fun with that music and <clears throat> that feels closer to me a lot of the times to when I write stuff at home and I do I record twenty or thirty versions of it and I've I spend. I'll do that over three or four days, you know, I'll, I'll write something very, very quickly and then I'll record probably five or six versions of it and then I'll listen back to it later in the day. Uh, this is where I don't have a gap, by the way. This, uh, this is where I'm just listening back on the same day. So I can't get away from the, the sort of neurosis of the moment. <laughs> I'm still in that. Um, and... And it's funny, some of those clips I listen back to months and months and months later and and some I really like and some I really don't like, you know. And it's funny what you how your value systems sort of change and your view changes about how you play certain things. And there's certain things I posted, you know, on uh, online, on Instagram and things that I would that I wouldn't post now, you know. Uh and it's not because I've been I've been a better player, it's just it's just a sort of change in um, in what I see as something that's that I'd want to share, you know. And it's funny how those things do change slowly over time. We don't appreciate often ourselves because we are us and we live with ourselves, and things move so slowly in our own existence, in our own kind of as you know, as we learn and change and develop. Other people always notice our changes are much more than we do, so. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. I always find that an interesting thing. But but yeah, the, the, the sort of recording setup thing is very very simple. I have four mics, two overheads. Um, they're not expensive microphones. They're just these Rode um, NT5s. Um, I use an SM57 on the snare, and I use an Audix D6 uh, on the bass drum. Um, I'm not keen on the D6, to be honest with the Audix. I EQ out a lot of, um, well, it depends on what the bass drum is, but I end up EQing stuff out of that mic quite a lot. Um, I do prefer, uh, prefer a D112 or, uh, or the old D12. That kind of microphone, I think, is um He's a nicer microphone. There's another microphone which a friend of mine owns, and I do not know the name of it. I quite like those on the bass drum. And I actually even like a 57 on the bass drum, to be honest with you. Uh, I quite like a 57 full stop. Um, there's something about the sort of the coloration of a 57, which I just think is, um, is something very forgiving for drums, which is nice, you know. Because often rooms aren't forgiving for drums you know we're offering struggling struggling with the space that we're playing and there's something about it it's like oh, the drums don't sound like that they sound nicer than that and the 57's got a nice vibe about it it's got a nice uh, kind of eq shape so 
Yeah, and I go four four into Logic, and uh, and I have a standard setup of EQ for the overheads, EQ for the snare and bass drum. I always tweak them slightly. Uh, I have standard compression settings for the overheads for the snare and the bass drum. Um, and getting a little better these days. I've been doing a little bit of studying logic while we've been in this um, this kind of, you know, this downtime. Uh, I've been learning to um, mix vocals a little bit. Um, funnily enough, I'm, I'm more interested in that than drums, but next is drums. But I know drums is a, is a big thing to sort of get into mixing and... And I sort of feel like I have mixed. I mix drums by ear, basically all the stuff that I do. I I just I just use my ears. I just think, well, what do I want? What's the sound I'm trying to get? The 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 thing I mainly spend a lot of time on, uh, and a lot of time is minutes. It's not hours. Um, the only thing I really ever spend any time tweaking from track to track because of what's because I've programmed, you know, what's on the keyboards or what's going on in the other sounds is the reverb. So I'm always bust. I've got into this thing now of I used to put the reverb on all the channels and it would just be a nightmare. It would just, you know, mess around with the signal levels and all kinds of stuff. And I just didn't know what I was doing really. But I've learned to kind of this thing of as a friend at work. Um, he helped me. Uh, there's a couple of people at work that are, that are production people who know a lot about production, and they, they've been really helpful. One guy, Alex Halliday, has really helped with understanding kind of compression and stuff, and and the other guy, Simon McGrath, he's helped me with this this thing of of sort of basically setting up auxiliary channels. So you bus in your channels to the reverb, and then you can EQ the channel to just have, you know, the reverb working at whatever frequency you want. And it's the whole, um, I have the whole of the drums. Sometimes I don't have the bass drum, but I, I have the snare and and the overheads all bust into the same channel. And basically, I, and I just mess around with that, with the reverb, and getting into that fully, like, zero drive, 100% wet signal thing, which... I never used to do. I always used to sort of blend it, and that was where I had all the problems with signal and stuff. So that's kind of been the the thing for me, that the ongoing thing. But the setup is really simple, and the video camera, I use uh, the Zoom Q4, which is quite an old camera now. It's got a nice XY mic thing on it. I, re I use the audio uh, for syncing, so I record everything... Um, into the computer obviously I've got my track uh, and then the I record the drums in the room on a low on a low setting and they, they sound okay and when I when I mix the track down I uh, copy the video over and that all goes into iMovie and then I just basically line up the audio and make sure it stays in time beginning to end so sync the beginning and the end so the, the bob on you do get a little bit of drift when you save. Well, I seem to get it when I save MP3 um, when I'm doing um, certain. Uh, yeah, all the actually when I'm just when I just ex I always export to MP3 so I can't, just can't be bothered with you know big files. I'm not mixing an album or anything. I'm just trying to do things as quick as possible. 
And I always get a little bit of drift from the um, from the video to the audio, tiny, tiny bit of drift over four, three or four, five minutes. And so I always just, I just get it all in line and then just uh, just turn the audio off on the camera and then just have the audio that's out of the computer. And then you end up with a pretty decent sounding vibe, you know. And then it's just I have the drums bust uh, to all to a separate channel a single, sorry, a single stereo channel, and then I just basically, depending on what I want to do with the video, how much I want, the, how loud I want the drums, how much I want people to hear what I'm doing on the drums, um, I just, you know, I either have it quieter or louder, doing it all on a single track, which definitely works better. Uh, I kind of got into that thing on Logic, actually, of, of, of sending everything, or pairs of keyboards or piano. I do a lot of things where I write... I use this piano sound, which has a pad and roads, and I use a lot of things where those sounds are combined, blended, sort of. Uh, the roads is like 75% volume, and the piano is 100, and the pad is like 45. It's just, I like that sound. It's a sound I've had for years. Uh, and then I, I've got... I've got a lot of sort of custom pads and things that I use as well. So, And then, yeah, just save it out of iMovie. And then I just export the clips. Um, I've started to do slightly higher quality, but I've actually noticed on Instagram that I don't think, I don't think it's quite at the same quality level. I think that the, uh, the lower quality is about the same as they publish. Um, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but it seems to be... Uh, when I listen back, it doesn't sound quite as good a quality, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But uh, So that's kind of the thing about um, the setup. And then there was obviously the thing about sort of consistency. You know, just I would just say, you know, make sure that you are adhering to your, what I would call your, your, um, your minimum... Um, accepted level of playing anything and and you'll probably feel more more in control of that when you're practicing than probably when you're playing gigs unless you're like touring like i was saying like i, I generally i don't do a lot of touring i do a lot of one-off gigs with lots and lots and lots of different people and sort of all over the place really and that by the nature of what it is leads to a sort of feeling of being slightly out of control of what you're doing and feeling slightly inconsistent about what you're doing um, because the sort of expectation levels are, um, they're set by the circumstance, aren't they? The circumstances, a lot of the things that I do, a lot of the gigs that I do are quite open, sort of not, not free jazz, but they're, they're stuff that's not rehearsed, but he's playing from a kind of tradition, you know, if you, uh, like the jazz tradition, but playing music that's maybe, um, more straight or, um, groovy or fusiony or whatever, but still with the sort of jazz tradition in mind, you know. So, uh, so it's sipping water. Um, that's one of the things I've been trying to do more of. Um, is try not to drink too much booze and uh, drink more water, more hot water, mainly boiling water actually, and. Uh, it's very easy when you're at home to just drink coffee all the time. You know, it's great. But it's just you realise after a while you've just 
you know, I've had six cups of coffee today. Just, um, that's why I'm feeling a bit mental. So I've been trying to break it up in the middle with just this kind of boiling water thing and uh, and trying to stay off, yeah, trying to stay off the beer too much. Um, I mean, it was funny at first because when we were shopping, there was just a distinct lack of lots of stuff, you know, and then it's all kind of gone back to normal now. Everything's basically back in stock and everyone's realised that they were being completely stupid. Um, so it's that kind of challenge now of making sure, of, you know, and not going back to to buying, like, having loads of time, buying loads of beer and then just drinking every day, you know. The other thing I was trying to do while this is happening is lose some weight, which um, is working. Part of it's to do with, um, well, it's all to do with diet, isn't it? It's a ridiculous thing to say, but it's it's not being on a diet. It's just being more consistent with the food that I'm eating because I'm at home, you know, I'm able to sort of be more in control of food, uh, that's one of the difficult things for musicians. I think a lot of people don't appreciate about musicians and a musician lifestyle. Well, the entertainer's lifestyle or the, the kind of artistic lifestyle, a lifestyle where you're traveling to places. You know, you could be like a wedding photographer or something and you're sort of on the move and, and there's a, this kind of demand of being in a certain place at a certain time. And then there's a kind of an unknown... Uh, vibe that's going to happen once you're there you don't know how long someone's going to need you for whether there's going to be any food or whether or not you're going to be able to have time to eat if there is food there's all those kind of things and uh, i think i talked a bit about that in the sort of gigging life episode but well the thing with uh, that i found a lot as a musician and i know i've had some musician friends that have really struggled a bit with food you know uh is that we there used to be a running joke i used to be in a band years ago Mm. it was a like a function band about 10 10 10 11 12 years ago and it, and it was a very good band and it was a, it was a good laugh and great people in the band and i had a real reputation for basically i used to turn up to gigs and my first question uh after saying obviously hello and stuff my first question was is the food and uh I played in this band for years and there was never formal arrangements for food. And I, but I was always, still always asking, is the food, you know? And there's just that, there's that sort of slight mentality of the jazz musician where there's a thing where you're, um, you, you like a free meal, you know? Um, but the quality of that food is completely out of your control. And then you're in a situation where, so you go, okay, uh, I'm not going to risk it. I'm going to pull in to the petrol station or the McDonald's or Burger King or somewhere, you know, on the services or whatever, and I'm going to go to whatever and and, uh, and get food. Because uh, I'm, I'm definitely not organized enough to take kind of, you know, pack lunches with me. We, I have been doing it more at work, actually, in the last year or two, which has been good. Um but generally, when I'm, you know, if I'm gigging and stuff, it's like no chance. I'm just, I just buy some, some sort of pappy crappy sandwich from the, the the garage or some, or pull into one of the famous the Golden Arches, you know. And uh, yeah, and, and have some terrible burger or something, and uh, and then you get to the venue, and then you kind of like, 
set up and having a chat and do this, that and the other. And then you maybe play. And then there's this sudden thing of, oh, there's some food, you know. And you're like, oh, free food. Yeah, going to have the free food. Yeah, even though, I mean, I'm normally two or three hours. I'm normally hungry a bit, you know. I can always eat something. And uh, everyone likes a free meal, don't they? So you end up kind of doing that thing of having more one more meal a day than you would probably ever plan, you know. And uh, and the other one is if you don't get fed and then you've got another set and then you've got to get your gear down and you're waiting around and stuff, then you've got the thing of on the way home, there's always the temptation for the sort of late night chocolate bar sort of vibe, you know. Going to the services and, oh, I'll just get myself one of, uh, you know, like a double-decker duo or something. And, uh, oh, a bag of Monster Munch. And, um, oh, a bag of Quavers. You know, and, and it's just very easy to get in the car and then, like, oh, I love the Monster Munch when I get home. I love the chocolate now. And then, uh, and then you're driving and then, oh, I'll just have the Monster Munch now, actually. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know. Then you get home, and there's even the temptation again, just make a bit of toast or something, you know, whatever. So it's just one of those lifestyles where you can be constantly grazing on crap, you know. Um, and it's just interesting having been at home. I've been basically nearly three weeks at home. I've been out the house about four times. Um, not quite. Three weeks on Tuesday is, and it's Sunday today, so... Uh, but I won't go out before Tuesday, so it, it will be. And I've been out of the house, um, I think, four times in that whole um, in that whole period, which is you know, which is not a lot at all for uh, for well, certainly not for me, or certainly not for anybody. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, away from the house, I've been out of the house because we've got we've got a nice garden and stuff, so I've been able to get out of the house. But but yeah, just. Um, you know, not being, just eating in the house and, and sort of being a bit more in control of food, it just it just makes a huge difference to um, to your diet, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I've, I've definitely felt uh, better and more in control um, because of that, um, because of this situation, which is one positive thing to kind of look at. Um, the weight thing is something that um yeah, it'd be nice to come out of this in a month or two and definitely not be um bigger <laughs> than I was but actually yeah I've lose lose a little bit of weight so um and but the the sort of fitness thing as well I think a lot of um a lot of us forget that um it's quite you need to be quite fit really to play the drums you know and and uh i don't it's that thing of i get i get unhealthy in a very slow way i, I go from being reasonably healthy to then sort of um, you know not not quite on the money and then sort of uh go for a bit of a resurgence and uh start doing a bit of exercise and doing a bit more of this and that but eating a bit less of this and that and then suddenly feel a bit better and uh, but it's like the old, it's like that thing of getting better. You don't realise that you're kind of getting unhealthy. So 
Uh, I've had few people ask me questions, which is hilarious, uh, about sort of staying healthy with drums. <laughs> and I just think, well, you know, they'll be not seeing my belly, basically. <laughs> if, you know, I'm, I'm definitely uh, someone who's overweight, you know, uh, and could certainly be, um, I'm going to speak uh, English now um, for anybody listening, for anywhere else who's into the kilos and all that. I could be two stone lighter easily, you know. Um, my weight, my weight at the moment is actually a lot better. Uh, certainly in the last uh, two weeks, it's come into a window, which I'm definitely happier, but I, I need to... I would like to be, uh, my aim is actually to, to, to be a stone and a half lighter than I am now, which is going to take, uh, it's probably going to take a year to do that. Um, and we'll just see how we get on. It's just, it's just, an, it's a kind of uh, an ambition, whether it's possible is, is by the by, really. Um, but the problem for me is uh, early uh, this, well, uh, late last year, um and the sort of year before that there was uh, in my family there was something going on that was um that was very uh tough and trying and and I wasn't eating very well and because uh, I was kind of um doing a lot of uh, visits sort of hospital visits and stuff and um and doing a sort of this triangle of work hospital home and thing and doing it and doing that kind of on and off um two quite intense periods of that but I basically got into quite a bad habit with eating and I and I sort of arrived at the end of the year um just before I went away on holiday um I was I'd kind of got quite overweight for me you know and I got to a point where I was a good stone nearly a stone and a half heavier than I am now uh, I managed to get rid of all that which is good but it's so easy to do and uh, so in the new year, this sort of new year commitment, you know, new year's resolution, all that nonsense, um, I decided, um, it wasn't a new year's resolution, it was something I decided to do when I, when I kind of went back to work, actually, and just sort of got back into teaching. I decided to give up one of my favourite things in the whole world, which is crisps. Um, and, and and giving up crisps is not, not eating crisps ever, it was not eating crisps regularly. Uh, so these are kind of two things. With when you give something up, some people say, I'm giving it up, and that's it. You never eat it again. And I think that's like quite hard to do, you know. I think you set yourself, um, depending on the kind of person you are, some people are great at being that stubborn, you know, about something. It's like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm making a public announcement about it, and I'm going to be stubborn to that thing to the nth degree. And that's... I. I I can't really do that, uh, and I've tried to do that in the past, and it, and it, it hasn't worked, and I sort of end up sort of doomed to failure. So what I always do is I always say, when I say I'm giving something up, it just means that I'm giving it, giving up eating it regularly, you know. Um, and the other thing I was going to give up eating regularly, which has slipped a little bit in the last few weeks, not terribly, but was chocolate. Um, <clears throat> simply because in the calorie sense, chocolate, a friend of mine uh, put it very well once. He said that chocolate is very bad value 
for uh, value for calories, you know. So if you want to eat something uh, of substance, um, then obviously, you know, it's got a calorific value. And chocolate, even small amounts of chocolates have high amounts of calories. So it's not like something that um, <clears throat> I I always think I'd rather eat a bag of crisps, you know, because I think, I think crisps have... Um, a better calorific value for money. Uh, that's in my deluded um, crisp chocolate world. Because I'll always favour a crisp. You know, if it was a choice between the savoury and the sweet, it's always a savoury and it's always a crisp or a chip. So, um, so yeah, I decided to those two things. I was going to knock on the head a bit, and uh, and then just eat the other things that I normally eat. You know, but he's um, definitely made a difference, and uh, and so that's something I've sort of wanted to carry on with. But with with in relation to drums, fitness of drums, I mean, I think there's one of the things about drum fitness is really um, it's about sort of a lot of it's about mental health. Really, it's about keeping yourself. <coughs> um, like feeling positive, but also about keeping your brain in a thing where it's um, sorry, just adjusting the microphone. Just seems to be slipping a bit. Um, <clears throat> the thing with uh, yeah, he's like he's keeping in a frame of mind where you're able to focus. So you know that that ability to concentrate and be able to keep your mind on something. As opposed to um, you know being not in a great headspace and a bit daydreamy and a bit sort of lacking in focus, and uh, that's certainly for me one of the big things. If I can be um, focused, <clears throat> then it definitely helps me with my playing and the type of playing that I do. You know, but there's also a physical thing, and. Uh, the only two real types of exercise that I that I do, apart from walking, I like I like walking. Uh, I don't walk as much as I used to, but I, I, I do like walking. I'm quite a good walker, um, especially when you get in a stride, you know. But I have I have an exercise bike, um, which is um, lives in my drum room, so it lives sort of next to me, but next to the drum kit, and I go on that um, a couple of times a week. It, uh, it, I, I was going on it a lot, quite a lot more uh, a while ago and I really put a lot of weight on and it really helped to uh, get things back on an even keel. And um, the kind of things I do on the bike are, are really, really simple. I do this, uh, just put it on the highest setting. It's not particularly, it doesn't have a massive resistance, you know, but I just put it on the top setting and do... Um, different distances and then do these sprinty things where you just pedal as fast as you can for 15 10 to 15 seconds you know and then sort of recover and then do it again you know um and then do another two kilometers on the top set and just you're just breaking it up really making things a little bit interesting it's an extremely boring thing to do i listen to podcasts <clears throat> when i'm on the um when i'm on the exercise bike that's kind of the thing i generally do i just get the google podcasts i've got to lots of different things a lot of stuff about cars and things and it's just a chance to catch up with that and then the other thing that i do is uh, i have these 
very light dumbbells. Uh, well, I've got two different sorts. I've got these really, really very, very light ones, which I which I use quite a lot. They they, they weigh nothing, you know. They like a kilo each. And then I've got some proper dumbbells that have different different weights on them. And I and I tend to find that very lots of light works very well for me, for my arms, you know. And the bike works well for my for my legs, basically, in the sort of cardiovascular side of things. Um, and both those things, they're non-impact, you know. So um the thing I used to love doing years and years ago when I was younger was running, but, you know, the running thing is its just unless you've got really good shoes and you're good at running, uh, the impact is something that I definitely worry about with um, my, my knees. Are, my knees are okay, but they're not brilliant. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's how I tend to keep fit. And then there's the then there's the sort of stamina on the drum thing. And I was talking to one of my students last week again about. I was trying to put across to him um, these exercises and and uh, how they're not they're not exercises I was expecting him to do at that speed. I was trying to put across to him that the you need to find the speed that's that's the right speed for your keeping you fit on the instrument and i have an exercise that's flam a flam accent exercise which i've discussed before and it, you know and it's just flam accents and different combinations of of, of pairs of flams um, that are sort of like uh they're like a variation of the pata aren't they but they, but it's 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 pairs of flams in triplets um and then lots of uh, finger rebound, single finger rebounds in both hands, uh, using the thumb in the left hand and, and the forefinger in the right hand. Um, lots of double strokes, and uh, and basically the 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 key with this exercise for me is the tempos, and I have I have three tempos: one six four, one six eight, and one seven two, and basically each one of those tempos uh, can be working within my normal operating window of 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 te- technical ability for when i'm warming up so if i've not been playing a lot um and particularly if i've not been doing much any much much stuff that's technical i'm not feeling particularly technically strong the 164 tempo is fine uh, and it's 15 minutes. I do I do this thing 15 minutes, and I use all these different combinations. I don't want to go into what they are, but it's just the combinations that I use. Um, if I've been playing quite a lot, feeling reasonably strong, um, then uh, I find the 168 is fine. And if I've been really doing a lot of quite loud gigs uh, and doing um, quite a lot of technical practice, the 172 is fine. But it's just basically, that's an 8 BPM window for me to basically warm up with the same type of exercise. Uh, And that works for me, but, uh, but when I was talking about, like, I do the alternating flams, I'm um, just playing them on my on my leg with my hands. Um, I do them 
you know, in, in all the triplets. And the student was saying, wow, that's really, that's really fast and that's amazing. And I was like, well, I know that you're kind of missing the point. It's not, it's just where my kind of fitness is, you know, for this type of exercise. You've got to work out where yours is for your type of exercise, you know. And when you work out what that is, then you found your kind of barometer, you know, of, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 180 person, you know, I'm a 140 person. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. You've got to find your tempo. And that will definitely change as you, as you develop. I mean, this, the person I was talking to is 21, you know, he's definitely he's going to improve hugely in the next, well, however, however many years, you know, he's definitely going to get better if he keeps working at the rate that he is. I definitely am not going to get better working at the rate that I do. Uh, I, my my thing in respect of that is about is about just those those the eight BPM window. You know, um, I suppose when I get older and slow down, then th- that window will change. It will that tempo will drop. You know, um, but it's not too strenuous because because it, it, the small muscles these things. You know, I, I tend to sort of live in hope of. Uh, <laughs> of the smaller muscles in the body keeping pretty fit and active uh you know right up to being pretty old really and there's you know lots of lots of great drummers had great dexterity uh, in the small muscles even into their 80s and, and 90s you know look at Roy Haynes and so yeah that's kind of my the drum fitness thing is I feel like a bit of a fraud because you see some of these people like that, these muscle people and they're like you know ridiculously strong and playing very powerful and fast and all that kind of stuff and you want to know about real fitness I'd talk to somebody like that if I were you I, I don't know anything about fitness you know it's a, it's a science isn't it a lot of people know this eating certain sorts of food and eating certain types of day and, and certain amounts of food and then do the right kind of exercise and all this that and the other and blah 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 i just no idea i'm just trying to keep kind of on a, on a reasonably even keel um and having that sort of having that ability to be able to play that 100 percent within my focus range you know my my ability to mentally stay focused um, I tend to do all right with that. I tend to stay pretty focused, you know. Um, do do all right with with because that that can be, I think, an often overlooked thing. You know, we may, we may be super like super healthy, super fit physically, and be a daydreamer. And that's kind of no use to anybody if you can't stay in the moment and stay in you know in the room and stay listening, really focused. So, yeah, that's kind of a, another thing that a few people have asked me about. And uh, and then the last thing was just about tuning drums. And, uh, and I feel like I can actually do this uh, in, in an answer because I, I, I was going to do a, a kind of episode talking about this, but actually I just don't think I know enough about different types of tuning because I have a really simple system that works really well for me um, and uh, it's kind of all style dependent isn't it kind of what style of music you play and uh, I 
play a lot of jazz kind of music. Um, but I like a slightly more fusion-y tuning, just a little bit, just a little bit away from that pure jazzy thing, especially with the toms and the bass drum, you know. So my approach tends to be, um, starting with the snare drum, I tend to tune the bottom head as low as I can so it's so there's as little buzz as possible happening with the snare wires. I tend to find snares that have very, very high tension bottom heads tend to buzz more because the head's, you know, tighter. And the uh, the snare wires, they kind of flip, you know, they flight about across the top of the head. That's my my kind of impression of um because I like to I don't like to have the snare wires too tight, you see, a lot of people they really tighten the snares up. That has a massive impact for me on the tuning and the feel of the drum. I get it so that the snares are just tightened enough to stop buzzing. And the and the, the, the lower pitch the bottom head is, the better that is for me. And so, you know, experiment with that, if that makes any sense. It, it, does, it really does to me. It's, quite a, it's like one of the few things I really think about when I tune. And the top head is for feel. I just tune, and obviously for the pitch, you know, where I want it roughly to be pitched, which really a feel-dependent thing. It's got to feel nice. Um, and then toms, it's all bottom-head tone, top-head feel. I, t- I tune floor toms as low as I can tune them uh, on the shell pretty much all the time. Sometimes I'll tune them. If I'm doing like a very jazzy thing, I will tune the floor tom up a bit higher, but... I generally get the bottom head as low as I can and then just get the top head on the shell for feel and so you've got a bit of resonance. The rack tom depends on on the music, but it's always bottom head for tone, top head for feel. Always get the right, get the pitch in the bottom head and then just bring the top head up to that and get it in tune with the um, with the bottom head and just slightly below very, very slightly below. But I think all that's pretty obvious, isn't it? And then bass drums, if I'm playing something very jazzy, then I'll have nothing in the bass drum and have and have no hole in the outer head. I've, I've just I've just a, maybe a, a strip of felt or something across the batter head. Um, that's something I've got better at playing over the years. I used to hate bass drums like that because I, I couldn't play them, basically. They were just, I used to like to have a lot of... I used to have like a big towel, double-coated you know, um, sort of power stroke or EQ3 sort of thing, you know, that kind of head. Um, but these days, just different. I have a very small towel in bass drums now. If, if, I, if I'm going to have a towel in there, just a very small towel. Um, and I've got into tuning bass drums a little bit higher than I used to because I think I'm a little bit better. Um, I think it's just easier to play a bass drum that's tuned very, very low. Um and it's certainly easier to play bass drums that you don't that you don't belong to you tuning them in that way. Uh, I kind of like the way Joey Barron. If I'm going to do that thing, I just I follow how Joey Barron does it. He just he just basically detunes the the batter head. I think that's his vibe. You know, it sounds like that. So it's, he's just playing something he's completely in control of in his foot, which I think that's totally fair enough. You know especially when you're not playing your own gear a lot of the time and you're traveling around and you don't know exactly what instrument you're going to find. Um, and he does a lot of, 
you know, there's a lot of free playing, there's lots, it's quite a lot of solo gigs and lots of different types of stuff where, you know, having that control from from the limbs is really, really important to be able to feel that sort of thing and have that sort of dexterity on, you know, you know, in all parts of the kit. Um, yeah, and I don't tend to play, you know, more sophisticated setup than that, so I don't really have any opinions about other kinds of tuning. But that's kind of my main approach to tuning, really. Just um, yeah, the snare's the big. That's the big one for me. Getting the snare tuning right. Um, I tune metal snares quite differently than I tune wooden snares, and I think that's probably most people have a, have a similar view. So, so yeah, I think that's kind of about it, really. Um, kind of rambled on for it's a bit rambly today. So sorry about that, but um, you know we're all killing time here, aren't we? So if my ramblings. Um, fill an hour for you that would otherwise have been kind of you know doing something else then that's um, well it's just yeah helping the passage of time we're all trying to get through this this period and hopefully it will come to an end um, as in as we are uh, sooner rather than later it's an obvious thing to say but I think um, for some friends abroad especially in Europe, in Spain and uh, Italy, uh, I think things may be starting to improve there. I hope so. And uh, things, if they get start getting back to normal, we. I mean, the UK is in a very interesting situation because we're a little bit behind um, other countries in. Uh, well, I say other countries in Europe, uh, the countries that are in Europe, because we're no longer in Europe, are we? Which is uh, what it is. Um. But yeah, so we're behind European countries. <laughs> so, so stupid to say that, but you know, it's the way, it's the reality of the situation. Uh, we feel very, it feels very similar to what's going on in America, but on a small scale. And um, yeah, obviously ahead of some other countries and, and everybody's way behind uh, China and uh, Hong Kong and and uh, Singapore and, and South Korea. So looking at what's happened with them, the kind of the, the logic of the situation seems to be following through, uh, but I think this thing's going to be around for quite a while. So um, great patience is needed. So we all, yeah, making these adjustments in our lives is tough, but uh, we'll all get through it. And um, yeah, music will become a very important part of uh i mean it's a very important part of what's going on now you can definitely see it on social media and people are really getting into the kind of entertainment side of life because that's what we've got available to us but once this is over you know it's definitely going to be people are going to want to go out they're going to want to see music they're going to want to socialize in that way so um you know really i'm just really looking forward to that obviously but um i'm looking forward to being part of providing that um that's you know providing that sort of cultural thing um yeah and maybe there'll be yeah i don't know be a bit of a social shift i'm not sure i think i think music's massively valued anyway i, I don't mass i don't buy into this its whole view that the arts are undervalued and uh, i think they could always be better funded for sure there's no, there's no doubt about that um but I, d I don't like this talk where people are always saying, oh, you know, music's undervalued and people don't. It's like people really, really do value it. I think people take it for granted. 
um, people take what we do for granted, you know, um, on a very small scale. I have I have a bit of a problem with a neighbour, you know, with the noise and people love music, but they don't want someone around you who's trying to get better at it, do they? And that's the thing. That's the thing that's hard being a musician is. You know, people love music. Everybody loves some kind of music. I've never met anybody that doesn't like music. You know, um, I've you know met lots of people that like lots of different sorts of music and sorts of music that I don't like. But everybody likes some kind of music. Uh, but nobody wants to live around people that are trying to get better at it. You know, so um, so I think yeah, I think you know, I think it is taken for granted a bit. And we're driven. We'll do it anyway, won't we? It would be nice. You know, if gigs were better paid and, you know, there was more funding and all that kind of stuff, absolutely, there's no doubt about that. Um, uh, but I I just think it will survive regardless, which is because we love doing it. Um, and we're often not, you know, we're not the best people to fight those kind of battles because um, we're trying to get better on the instrument and uh, we're not kind of political animals, you know. So, um, but there are some people that are, and they're great. You know, they're really they're they're real sort of uh, campaigners, and uh, and that's great. And those people tend to be quite. I actually tend to think to those people quite tend to be quite positive. It's just a sort of knee jerk. People just say it's a knee jerk. You know, don't really know what's going on. Whereas the people that really are involved in in trying to kind of raise the profile of different parts of the arts, and uh, those people you know they're driven and tend to be quite positive i think you know um, because they're doing it for you know doing it for the right reasons so um yeah we'll see how if anything changes when all this finally comes to an end and we're able to go back to venues and play music again which is an amazing thing isn't it? there's no music going on still i just find that it's like uh i just can't think of a time in history uh, in human history where social music is not being played in a huge part of the globe you know um even in war times i was saying this last week or the week before is there was always music going on people were being entertained still and uh, yeah it's a weird thing really really weird so stay sane stay safe and uh, i will be uh, back next week so uh, until then bye for now <laughs>